Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Simple truth. And let me just say, simple does not mean easy. But often, something is just so simple that we overlook it, and it can be incredibly important. Last week, we talked about a simple, simple truth that we find in 1 Timothy chapter 5, which is this, that the older are meant to teach the younger. And I said, if you are older than anybody, then this would apply to you, which is this. You need to be involved with somebody. And when I, asked, I asked three things of everybody last week. We said, number one, pray for the next generation, because the Bible says the older are to teach the younger. Number two, we said, be committed to church. You need to be involved. Get in. Jesus said, I will build my church. Anybody who wants to be at the forefront of what God is doing in the world today, be a part of building the church. And then the last thing we said was this. Everybody needs to participate. Participate. Speak into the life of somebody that's younger than you. And specifically, we said pray. Pray about the people that are already in your life and what what role you can be playing in their life as you speak into them. We said, get involved. Get involved with kids' ministry here. Get involved with the youth. Get involved with the high school. Jump on. So many of you have done that. Thank you guys so much. This week, we're shifting gears. And 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this. It says, for we live by faith and not by sight. It could come across as really simple, but this is what you and I as believers, this is meant to completely rock our world. We are to live by faith and not by sight. So what does that mean? And like, how do you, how do you, how do you tell if somebody's living by faith? Like, do they walk on water, like, all the time? Like, do they, like, is, is that what happens when they speed? Do they drive by cops and cops not even see them? Like, that, that would be neat. Like, is that, is that, is that what happens? Like, how, how do you live by faith? How do you know? if you're living by faith. What does that look like? I think it's worth taking some time to look into. I really do. Hebrews 11 says this about faith. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. I think that makes it really important. It's like, hey, don't even try. Without faith, do not even try. So I think we should look at this. And if, as, as we look at what part faith played, in the Bible, it's huge. There's a book in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, is kind of like the hall of fame of faith in the Bible, and in, in Bible times. It's like the holy cow, look what these guys did. And so we're just going to read a little bit of this about the impact that faith had on their lives. And then we're going to be looking at, okay, what does that mean for you and I? So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Why did he do that? By faith. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborns of Israel. 
By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea, so on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed along with those who were disobedient. And what more shall we say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the, fir- the fiery flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign army- armies. Women received back from their dead those raised to life. How? By faith. Sounds like faith has a big part in this. But here's what I don't want you to think. Faith is not an outcome. Let's keep reading about what it says happened by faith. It says, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so they might gain an even better resurrection. They wouldn't renounce Jesus. They said, we'll stop. You don't have to die. They said, no, by faith. Verse 36, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. How? By faith. I I wanted to really just make sure we included that last part and point that out because here's what it is not. It is not, faith is not an outcome. That's not what faith is. But we look in the Bible and here's what we see. We see people who lived by faith and it changed the way that they lived. They did things they would not do because of faith. Now there's a big difference and I want you to understand this. There's a huge difference between being oppressed and there's a really big difference between that, being oppressed, and being attacked because you're a Christian. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference. And think of it, think of it this way. Matthew 5.11 says this, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you falsely. They say all kinds of evil against you because of me. This is Jesus talking. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee, but then it says here, if you're being persecuted because of me, he says rejoice. He's like, rejoice if that's what it is, because great is your reward in heaven. He's like, there's a difference. There is a difference. So faith is meant to change the way that we live. So I think we should start with this. What is faith? The Bible says live by faith. It says we can't please God without faith. So what is faith? I heard about a Bible school student, long, long time ago I heard this, that he was taking his big test and he had to write an essay on what faith was. And so he just, he wrote one word, he wrote this and turned it in and then he got an A. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to Bible school, I'm like, I'm going to do that, like this is going to be great. Like, I am so going to do this. And then I went to Bible school, and I just waited and waited, and they never gave me that question that way that I got to fill out. And I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, I had this one. Like, this one I was going to nail. Didn't happen. But what, what is, says this, Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, that's the New King James. I'm going to read the exact same thing from the Amplified, same verse. 
And it says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. That's incredibly important divinely guaranteed, that it's not just something that I'm whimsically wanting. Divinely guaranteed means this, promised by God. It's promised by God. This is the guarantee that God's going to do what he said he's going to do, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. It hasn't happened yet, but God said it's going to. The conviction of their reality, faith, comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. That's what it talks about when it's talking about faith. Who likes ice fishing? Raise your hand if you like ice fishing. Some ice fishermen here? Come on, okay. What's always fun? The best time of ice fishing, the fun time is, is getting on the lake first. But you want to know what you got to do is you got to test the ice. And being on the lake last, you're like, it's still warm, but I bet there's, there's, there's thick enough ice and there's plenty. And there's some guys who just like, they just go out there and they're like, I'm sure if there's snow on the ice, they're like, it's thick enough. And they'll just walk out there. I like to go with those guys and let them go first. <laughs> then there's other times that you, just, you, you, you get out on the ice and you're like, I don't know. Is it thick enough? Like, I, I, I don't know. And so what do you do? You kind of just, you, you, you test it. You walk out on it a little bit and you think heavy thoughts and shake and you're like, okay, is it, is it good? And what you're doing is you're testing to see if the ice is thick enough and you might get out there, maybe drill a hole in it, hit it with a spike, get through there, kind of see how thick it is because you don't know. But that's not faith. Faith is a special word here. I can trust that the ice is thick enough. I can hope that the ice is thick enough. Faith is when we base what we believe and do on a promise of God. Faith requires God and God's promise to be there. I cannot have faith for something that God has not promised. I can hope. You can hope for anything that you want. I can hope the ice is thick enough. Faith is based on what God's Word says and the fact that He will do what he says he will do. I can hope the ice is thick enough. I can walk in a thick spot and I can fall right through. I've done it. But that's not faith. And I think one of my favorite examples of faith is found in Mark cha- or excuse me, Matthew chapter 8. And the crazy thing about it is you almost don't realize that he's talking about faith until you've passed where he begins to talk about faith. Let's read it together. Mark, Matthew, not Mark. Matthew 8 verse 5. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. I, I think he's like me. He had kids. It was a mess. And he's like, don't, you don't want to come in here. Or maybe he had like a DIY project that was still happening. He's like, no, Lord, don't come in. Don't come. He says this. He says, just say the word where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, come, and they come, and if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Did you already catch it? He's already been talking about faith. Because Jesus was amazed, and turning to those who followed him, he said this, I tell you the truth, I have not seen faith like this in all Israel. 
Did that sneak up on anybody else? All the guy said was, God, if you say it, it will happen. And Jesus answered and says, I haven't found faith like this anywhere else. The new King James, Jesus, it, it takes those same words, it's read and it says Jesus, that Jesus replied, I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. He believed that what Jesus said would happen. That's faith. It's not, it's not complicated. It's if God said it, my belief is that it will happen the way that Jesus said it will happen, and that is faith. That's what faith is. And the Bible says that you and I are to live by faith, meaning that we believe that what Jesus says is going to happen, so it's going to change the way that we live. But here's the thing. It's hard. You can't just, like, walk by someone and be like, well, they live by faith, obviously. I mean, I mean look at that. Like, like, like it, doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. But I was thinking about growing up and being like, okay, how did, how did I actually see my parents live by faith? Did, did, did I? Like, what, where, where did that even come from? And I'm like, okay, what are, what are some times that they did? I remember when I was home educated and mom's like, okay, you need to learn how to write checks. And I'm like, sounds good. I'm going to write them to myself. This is going to be great. She's like, get in here. And we went in there and she's like, this is what we're going to do. She goes, we're gonna, you're going to help me write the tithe checks. And I wrote my parents' tithe check, and I was like, why are you giving the church all this money? I don't remember how much it was, but I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is so much money. I could like rule the world, you know? And my mom's like, well, because the Bible says so. The Bible says that if we honor God with the first, that he'll bless the rest. So we believe it, so that's how we live. And I'm like, are you, and she's like, so we're going to do it again next week too. And I was like, oh my goodness, okay. That's an example of faith. Years later, I remember I was going in to get my wisdom teeth pulled out. Now, what, dental work, I remember what it was, some, some, something to do with dental. But I remember we're getting ready to go in and I, oh, I don't like the dentist. If you're a dentist, I'm sorry. I know we need you and you guys do great things, but it is like one of my least favorite things in the world. I do, I do, I do not like going to the dentist at all. Like, it's, it's awful. If you like the dentist, good on you. Like, uh, I don't, okay? So I'm having to go, and, and I don't remember what it was, but I got to get some dental work, and I was getting ready to go in. Mom, my mom was dropping me off so that I could go in and do that, and she was going to go do something else, and she goes, she goes, let's pray before you go in. And I remember I looked at him like, Mom, I, I'm just going to get this done with. And she stops me, and she's like, we're going to pray. And I'm like, Mom. And she's like, I'm praying for you. You're not getting out of the car. And she hits the lock button, and she's like, I don't care what they do or don't do. We need to pray. And I'm like, okay. I, was, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember just thinking I was old enough I could go in and just get it done. And my mom's like, no, we're going to pray first. Because James 5 says that the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. And she's like, people make mistakes. God doesn't. We're going to pray. And so we prayed. Faith changes the way that we live. It's meant to change things. I remember we took a trip as a family down to Mexico. 
and we took a van the whole way down there. And I'm like, this is a seriously long trip. It was, it was not fun. The whole way down was awful. We had this lady that was riding with us that I didn't want, I didn't really like. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. I'm not telling you, what, I, was, I was little, it wasn't, but anyways, it just was not fun. I'm like, what are we doing down there? And my dad's like, we're going to go see what we're a part of. When I was a child, my parents were actually missionaries in Mexico and they'd started some stuff and orphanages and churches and things that were still going. He's like, we're going to go see how it's going. We're going to go see what we're a part of. He's like, this is one of the things that we give to as a family. So we went down and we got to go see what was happening. They lived differently. I remember Christmases where the one, the one year we wanted, the family so badly wanted a Christmas tree. Man, did we want it, all of us kids, like, we want a Christmas tree. And my dad's like, not this year. We can't afford it. But I remember we still wrote the checks. We're still, and, I, and I knew all of these things. I'm like, we're still giving to the church. We're still giving to missions. We're still doing this. My mom's like, I'll make a tree. And we're like, Mom, you can't make a tree. My mom was always just fixing everything, right? She's like, yes, I can. And so she took a bunch of garland. I think that's what it's called, like the long green stuff, the fake green stuff. And we had a big window, and so she pinned a bunch of it up on the top and just made this really elongated triangle, and we're like, this is the worst thing in the world, Mom. And she's like, well, then you can help me. We're like, this is so dumb. Can't we? We're like, she's like, we are not getting a Christmas. We, we can't afford this. This is not happening. And the computer paper, remember the computer paper that, like, they were, all the sheets were stuck together. You'd pick up one, it would just keep going and going and going and going, and it had all the dots on the side. Well, she took some of that computer paper, cut it in the shape of a tree, taped it to the wall, the only problem was it covered up the outlet, so the lights that we wrapped around the tree plugged right into the trunk, and it just worked. And we're like, we're like, Mom, this is the worst tree ever. We're like, what are you doing? But the funny thing about that tree is this. Every one of us kids remembers that tree and none of the others. And I was like, you hated it so much, and yet you guys all talk about it. Every one of you talk about it, and, and it's not like you, you talk about it bad, but we all remember that because we lived differently. We lived differently. We took vacations, but you want to know what we did on vacation? Every vacation we did, guess what dad was doing on Sunday? He was preaching. Remember, I was like, dad, why? Can't we just, and he goes, we're going to build the kingdom. And he goes, we build our lives around building the kingdom. He's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be building the kingdom of God. It is our faith, our trust in what God is doing, our trust in his word. Remember, remember, faith is based on a promise of God. It's meant to change the way that we live. The fact that we believe he's coming back, Hebrews 11, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That we're not just waiting for him to come back and just sitting around being like, yeah, one day he's going to come, but until he gets here, like, I'm bored. Like, I'll spend seven hours on my phone because I've got nothing else to do. It's like, no. If he's coming back and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, our faith is meant to change the way that we live right now. So I want to talk about three things when it comes to faith to help you live by faith. Number one is understand this. If you are a believer, you have faith. Ephesians 2.8 says this, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith because you believed what God said was true. What does it say in Romans? It says if you believe in your heart 
and confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, you will be saved. That's faith. So let me just say this. Every one of you, it's not something far out there, like, oh, how do, how, how do I get this? Let me just say this. You, you, you don't need to pray for faith. You have faith. Every single believer does. Every believer does. But understand this also when it comes to faith, that faith is meant to grow. Faith is meant to grow. Let me give you some verses for this. Matthew 8, 25 says this. The disciples went and woke him. They're in a boat. The boat's about to sink. They're in this huge storm, and they go and they wake Jesus. And the Lord, they say, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And verse 26, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Jesus rebuked the disciples. And he's like, what are you, an intern? Like, come on. Like, seriously? He says, you of little faith. If there's little faith, there's got to be big faith. Let's keep reading. We already read about that, actually, in Matthew chapter 8. That Jesus said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. There's little faith, there's great faith. Romans 4, verse 19, Abraham's faith was not weakened even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. His faith wasn't weakened. It could be weakened, but it wasn't. His abil- he, he was trusting in God. He's like, no, I know that physically this isn't happening, but if God said it, it's going to happen. It was based on his promise. In verse 20, it says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. Our faith is meant to grow. Our faith is meant to grow. James 2, verse 5, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? There's growing faith, there's little faith, there's great faith, there's rich faith. 1 Timothy 1, 19, Holding on to faith, okay, hold on to it, and good conscience, which some have rejected, and so have suffered a shipwreck in regard to their faith. There's others who have just, they've shipwrecked their faith and totally given up on God's promises and are walking away from absolutely all of it. Faith is meant to grow. Faith is meant to grow. Now, when I say that, there's some that are like, well, wait a second. Doesn't the Bible say that God gives us faith? Romans 12 says this, Romans 12, verse 3, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but to think soberly as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. The answer is yes. God gives you faith. But the question is, what are you going to do with it? Because after that, it's meant to grow. Yes, you're given faith, but it is meant to grow. Your faith is meant to grow. Jesus rebuked his disciples. He rebuked his disciples for not having faith. He rebuked him. He's like, what is wrong with you? And what happened was a man brings his, his son to the disciples and says, can you heal him? And they can't. They said, we can't. So they bring, the man brings his, his son to Jesus and Jesus heals him. And then Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 9, 19, he says to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring me the boy. He rebukes them for their faithlessness. He's like, come on. Our faith is meant to grow. And as a result, it changes the way that we live. So let me just give you, I think I've got the time for it, so let me give you two ways that your faith is meant to grow. 
The number one way is this. It's found in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because here's what faith is. Faith is you believing and standing on what God's word says. If you don't know what God's word is, you cannot have faith. You can hope for whatever you want. You can, you can wish. You can wish upon a star. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder. Whatever you want. But faith comes when we know what God's word says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to know what God's word has to say. I think so often people want a word from God, and I'm like, well, then get in God's word. You want to get in there, that's where you're going to find it. The number one way that God speaks to us is through his word. Know what God's word has to say. Know what his promises say. You need to know what it is. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answered the devil and he said this, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Let me ask you, how many meals a day do you eat? Who eats three meals a day? Anybody? Okay. Who eats four meals a day? Okay. Who like grazes and never stops eating? It's like an all day thing. Like, yes, that's my favorite. Okay. Who eats only two? Okay. Okay. Who eats just like one? You're like, it's just, it's just one and done. Anybody? Like, no, no. Okay, Dave's like, yeah, this is all I have time for. And he still kicks my butt at pickleball. Whatever, I don't know. Here's what the God's word is saying. He says, you don't live just on food, but in every, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We are to build our faith up. We need to be in there. So many of us, we feed our bodies once, twice. We just don't stop. But spiritually, we're not doing it. We don't feed our bodies. As I was sitting there just thinking about my parents and what I learned, I'm like, you know what I saw over and over and over? You want to know what I watched my mom do every morning? She would stretch and read her Bible. And then she'd do this really weird thing where she would run and read her Bible while she ran. And I'm like, how do you do that? And no lie, she'd be doing this down the road. And I'm like, you're crazy. She's like, well, I just got to get it done. You know, I got to get it in me. And I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yep. And she'd actually read that way. And I'd come down and she'd be, like, she'd be like, join me, come on, get in here. And I'm like, I can't even touch my toes. And she's like, that's because you don't do this everywhere. And, come. and she'd get down there and we'd be reading the Bible together. Dad would come down. He'd work out in the morning, like almost every morning. He likes to wake God up at some ungodly time. <laughs> my room was in the basement. He'd be downstairs clanging weights. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And he was either reading the Bible or he had these, like, uh, these big things called VHS tapes and they were, they were sermons. And he's in there getting God's word every day. I can't tell you the number of times I'd go into his room and he'd be sitting there reading. He'd be reading the Bible, he'd be reading, and he'd be studying. And I'd be like, Dad, you want to play? He's like, why don't you just get a book and get next to me? I'm like, no, no, let's play, let's play, let's play. He put his book down. What are we doing? No, 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 no. Over and over. You want to know what I saw him doing? Over and over and over. I prioritize the things of God and prioritizing God's word. You cannot have faith for something that you do not know, God has already said. You can hope, again, for whatever you want. But the number one way that we're talking about today that we grow in faith is by hearing God's word. You have to know what, know what it is. You're driving down the road. I hope you have the YouVersion Bible app. It is one of my favorite things in the world. And I don't know if you know this, but it will read the Bible to you. It will speak it. It will read it. If I can't sleep at night, 
I'm like, man, why am I up? I don't know what's going on. I'm like, okay, I pray. Is there anything else I need to pray about? No? Okay, now I need to go to sleep. And my, what I'll do is I'll get my phone out and I'll turn it on. I set a little timer. It's even got a timer on it like they know that I'm doing this. And I hit play on the Bible and then I go back in. I turn the volume all the way down. I put it underneath my pillow, put my ear over top of my phone, put my, reach underneath there and I can turn the volume up one click and I can hear it and I think, I don't think Becca can. Maybe she can. And I'm trying not to disturb her. And I'm like, there, I can listen to some Bible. You can drive down the road. You can be listening to the Bible. You can be putting that in there. You can be like, I'm going between here and there. You can be out for a run. And you don't have to try to hold it. It will read it to you now. I remember when CDs and the, uh, the Bible first got digitized into an audio format. It was $450. And my dad went out and bought it. And he would not spend money on like anything. And he's like, we got to take really good care of this. And it was this huge thing, a book of CDs. And each one was one of the books of the Bible and some were different ones. And I got in so much trouble because I took one and I scratched it. And he's like, oh, oh, I scratched Timothy. And oh my goodness. And I'm like, oh. And then I was like, I bet I can fix it. And then I had the job of taking and digitizing all of it and turn it into mp3s because then it would take up half the space and so i had to take all of those and take hours and do that for me like i'll even pay you to do it that's how important this is because they prioritized the things of god he's like i need god's word we are meant to live by faith to stand on god's promises you will not know what they are if you do not know what god's word is and here's the deal it cannot be a samuel said so it can't be a pastor so-and-so said this over here or this guy I like to watch or that I listen to over here. It cannot be that. It has to be God's word says. That's what we stand on. Anything else will not work. And you might trust somebody, but you need to know what God's word says. The devil does not care what someone says. He cares what God says. And when you stand on that, that changes things. And then the second way that we grow our faith is this. It's exercise. It really kind of parallels a lot of natural, doesn't it? If you don't eat, eventually you kind of wither away. Spiritually, same thing. But exercise. Think about, think about David and Goliath with me for just a second. We're going to kind of read through this story and kind of take it apart, but I want you to see this. 1 Samuel 17, 26, David and Goliath. David shows up all Israel is getting ready to fight the Philistines. They're not yet fighting them because a giant has come out. His name is Goliath. And he says, hey, instead of you know, our battles, our armies fighting each other, send out a champion, your champion. If your champion beats me, that will settle the whole thing. If I beat him, we'll just call this settled and you'll be our slaves. If he beats me, we'll be yours. We don't need to actually fight each other. And that's what this, this man Goliath is doing. He was an absolute giant, 12, 13, 14 feet tall, somewhere in between there. And everyone on the Israelite side is like, uh, no. Verse Samuel 17, 26, David comes, hears the challenge, and he asks the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He says uncircumcised because he means, that means he wasn't in covenant with God. He's like, wait a second. What is he doing and how dare he defy the armies of the living God? See, 
There were a whole lot of promises that David could have been standing on. Promises like the one found in Deuteronomy 28, 7 that said, the Lord will grant that your enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They'll come at you from one direction and flee from you seven. There's, he had, there's tons of promises he could have been standing on, but I guarantee he was standing on one of them. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, David is brought to Saul. And Saul says to him, can you do this? David says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against him. The Philistine, you can't fight him. You're only a young man and he's been a fighting warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried them off, from the sheep, from the flock, I went after them. I struck them. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I killed it. That's quite the resume. He's like, this is what I did. And then he says this in verse 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he defies the army of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David said, I can kill this giant because you want to know what I've done? God's already been faithful to, with a lion and he's been faithful with a bear. Because I've seen him do that, he exercised his faith. He didn't just wake up and be like, I'm going to go kill a giant. He started with a lion and a bear. There was probably a coyote, maybe a dog, and who knows, maybe something even smaller before that. But faith is meant to grow. David, and here's something I want you to just think about when it comes to David. David did an ordinary thing. He was just watching some sheep in an extraordinary way where he did not allow even a lion or a bear to take from his herd. And because he did that, that ordinary thing in an extraordinary way, it prepared him to be used by God in a huge, mighty public way but it all came from his private life. From him being alone and watching the sheep. But he exercised his faith. And he looked at that giant and he said, that giant will be just like they were. What God did then, he'll do again. He will do it again. He exercised his faith. Exercise your faith. Know what God's promises are and stand on them. It's one of the reasons I love tithing. Malachi 3.10, bring the tithe into the storehouse to the Lord God Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not be able to contain it. He even says, test me in this. It's one of those ways that we see God's faithfulness and we say, he was faithful in that, he'll be faithful in this. I can trust him in that, I can trust him in this. When we begin to pray and God... And, and God comes through. We stand on his promises and we say he did it. What he did then, he will do again. We exercise our faith. I want you to, and, and realize this, that the Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say the giant leaps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. It doesn't say that, that, that the trust falls are ordered by the Lord. It doesn't want to say that the steps of the righteous. So I don't know where you are, but understand this. Every single one of you, every believer has faith. And here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Be in God's word. Know what it says. 
And then you take those steps of faith as you stand on God's word and you say, okay, God's word says it's true, so I'm gonna do it. God's word says it's better to forgive, that I need to forgive, so I'm going to. And you forgive and then you watch what happens. You say, okay, I'm gonna forgive. You say, God's word says it is better to give than receive, and so you begin to do it. You say, God's word says that I need to love my enemies and pray for them. And you're like, come on. And so you begin to do it, and you watch how it changes you and what it does to the inside of you. You look and you wake up and you say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm gonna rejoice and be glad in it. Not like, oh no, it's Monday again. You say, what am I gonna do? And you say, okay God, I'm going to use me. But here's the deal, you just take some small steps. The steps of the righteous are, and watch what he does. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 is so true. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. I believe what God has for you is the very best. Know his promises and begin to walk on them. Trust them because we are meant to live by faith and not by sight. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Before we leave, I just want to make sure that if you're here and you say, you know what, I don't know where I stand with God, that I give you that chance. I already mentioned how Romans says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, we will be saved. It's not a wonder. It's accept what Jesus did when he died. When he bled, that we accept it and we ask him to forgive us. God says, I will. You just have to ask. You're like, you don't know what I did. I don't. He does. And he still says, ask, I'll forgive. He's made a way where there was no way. But all you have to do is ask. So if you're in this room online, wherever you are, and you say, today's the day. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt where I stand with God. I want to give him all that I am. I want to be forgiven. I want to be set free. Then I would love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. If that's you on the count of three, you're going to shoot your hand up high, and we're going to pray together. And when we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. If that's you, get ready. Not halfway, all the way up. Get ready. One two, three. Right now, shoot it up. Shoot it all the way up and say, that's me. And today is my day. Today is my day. Okay. All right, hands down. Let's just all pray together, whether you're in this room online. Let's just all pray out loud for those that raised their hands. And those that did, as you say these words, make them your own. And let's pray together. Say, oh God, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. Thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood so I could be free. From now on, I give you all that I am. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.